You ready? It's about that time. You're listening to Hoop Waves with Marlena Rodriguez. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Hoop Waves podcast. If you're new here, I welcome all types of listeners, um, especially now with um, what's happening in this strange world of ours. But hopefully this brings you a bit of smile and such good vibes. But in this episode, I have someone that's been around, been around in the, in the sports industry a bit, but he's been a coach for 10 years. He's currently a college basketball analyst for ESPN. Um, he's the founder and president of PhD Hoops, and he also is the host of the Coach's Insight on Hoopter.com. And so I'm so happy to welcome Richie Struler. Welcome, Richie. Hey, Marlene, how you doing? Appreciate you having me on. <laughs> yeah. Um, did I pronounce your last name right? I just want to be sure. <laughs> uh, it, it's Schuler, Richie Schuler. Schuler, You made Richie. it harder than it has to be. Richie Schuler. Okay, so the H is a bit <laughs> silent. <laughs> Correct. Yes. Yes, it is. <laughs> oh my god. Well, first off, um, I I appreciate you so much for doing this. But how how yeah. have you been? What's how how have you been dealing with everything going on? You know, it's been a wild three plus months. You know. Uh, yeah with everything going on or just, I mean, just from a COVID standpoint. Uh, and, and unfortunately I don't know how much better it's going to get over the next several months. It's just, uh, you right. know, it seems to be continuing to spread, but, uh, you know, between all the stuff that you just mentioned that I do, I'm having to do a lot of it from sitting in my desk at my home, <laughs> yeah. just like you and probably everybody else is right now, you know? Yeah. Well, that's so, that's so great to hear that you're doing okay. And your family and loved ones, um, it sounds like is doing great too. Yeah, so far so good. Unfortunately, I've probably known about ten people to come down with the virus across oh the my. country. Yeah, I've known one person to pass from it. But oh, I'm so uh, sorry. Yeah, you know it's unfortunate, but yeah. you know, fortunately though, anybody that I've been super close with is, is, is safe and sound, and my family, everybody's good. Yeah, that's Hopefully. good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I think everyone that I've spoken to so far is is saying that they're trying to stay positive and again, motivated, which is hard, especially when you're not allowed to go and um, do your normal routine. So motivation can sometimes be a bit hard, but you know, we just got to, like I said, we just got to control what we can control. Right. You know, the last few weeks I have forced myself to just leave the house and go for a couple blocks, walk around the block yeah, and uh, just to try to get out of the house and, you know, it's either house or it's uh you know to the to the store or to a restaurant back and forth but mm -hmm. I always end up back at the house <laughs> yeah I know same here I've I've started to pick up running again so I've been jogging trying to do it every day but but yeah if I if if I'm not in the mood or if my legs are sore or something I just get in my car and go in a few blocks kind of get the normal routine and play some music and try to have good vibes <laughs> oh yeah Got to, got to. Um, so I'm going to jump in here. So you were a coach for 10 years, which is a long time being a coach. Let's just say it's not like a regular, like quick three. What was, um, was your passion early on coaching? It was, you know, when I, when I was, when I was coming up, honestly, like I, I, I didn't really have much of a desire to coach. I thought maybe it was a, something that would happen in the future. But you know, when you're, when you're playing days are over, the next best thing is coaching. And, um, you know, fast forward that to, you know, a decade later when you're not coaching, the next best thing is talking about it on television. Right. You know, and so, I mean, it's, uh, it's just one thing to the next, but I remember being in college and my career was winding down and I was thinking, you know, 
maybe coaching is something I do, but we'll see. And, you know, yeah, about two years later, I found myself coaching college ball. And like you said, I did that for a decade. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, especially like how you say the transition, it's kind of like the typical transition, but I believe like sometimes it could be challenging, right? Coaching is very challenging. And, you know, the higher level you go, the more challenging it is. And I'm just thinking more on the uh, uh, collegiate level, uh, you know, mm -hmm. Obviously, the more the higher level you go, the the more pressure there is to win. Uh, you know, you're working around the clock. Uh, one thing that you know, junior high and high school coaches and even youth level don't have to worry about is the whole recruiting aspect. Right. Uh, you know, at the college level, uh, that's what you have to worry about. You have to worry about recruiting. That's the lifeblood of your program. Uh, and then you got to make sure you have guys that uh, that are staying on top of it academically. You're trying to improve them. You're trying to retain them. You know, it's also something that guys that coach at the professional level, whether it's overseas or here in the U S NBA, whatnot, they don't have to worry about academics. You know, they can just focus yeah. on basketball straight up. And at the college level, you do have some extra challenges that you don't have at other levels. That's really good to know. Um, so I got to ask, what type of coach were you? Give us a little <laughs> give a bit of details. Were you the one that was <laughs> crazy on the sideline, yelling at the refs? Were you the sit Greg Popovich type that just sat down on the bench? <laughs> you know, you know what's funny is even Greg Popovich wasn't Greg Pop Popovich like in his early days. No, you know, right. When he was at <laughs> he, you know, he started his coaching career. I believe his first head coaching job was here in Southern California. Mm -hmm. I want to say. Uh, I don't know if it was Claremont Mud Scripps or Pomona Pitzer, one of those two he was the head coach at. And, uh, you know, early on throughout his career as being a head coach, he was a lot more wild and a lot more animated than he is nowadays. I think <laughs> as you get older, you become a little more wiser. Right. Uh, you know, early on, uh, I was pretty animated, not to that level, but okay. I was animated. Uh, I was also the guy that, you know, a lot of guys off the court, really like me they love being around me they joke mm -hmm. with them i relate with them but on the court oftentimes they'd be frustrated with me because i'd hold them accountable right and just uh, players they they want discipline but they'll never verbalize that you mm -hmm. know so they crave accountability they crave discipline but you're going to get pushback when you're given it and that's uh something that you know it's always a tug of war between players and coaches yeah well it sounds like you're a great one from what you've said and I'll take your word for that and so you've also been a so you're also a host of the coaches insight on hoopdirt.com now is that like a show or a podcast you know what it is is it's we started doing that four or five years ago and honestly uh, I think we were one of the first to do it in the sense of interviewing coaches and they're only five to ten minute long interviews a piece they're video interviews nice. but interviewing coaches anywhere around the country even different parts of the world from a video standpoint now you know you look at every social media platform you look at zoom right. everybody's doing it and it's the norm but back then it was something brand new and so it was our little niche and nice. uh, now it's become kind of you know pretty normal for everybody trailblazer but, uh, <laughs> try to be a trailblazer. I don't think anybody's giving me the credit, but dude, I think go. we were. <laughs> I got you, Richie. I got you. Everyone. He's the thank you. Thank pioneer you. of that. <laughs> thank you. Um, I'm sorry. Did you say that it's still going on? Correct. Sort of, you know, honestly, sort of. we haven't recorded a new one in probably a year, Okay. maybe a year and a half, well, but if, they're still out there. They're on the websites. They're, if they're people, out there people were to um, tune into them, what, I know you said that you kind of reach out to coaches, but um, typically what, what can they expect from it? 
It's very simple. It's, you know, we pick a coach, whether he's a college coach or a professional coach, and we pick his brain on a, on a particular topic. And we try to make it only five to 10 minutes long because I think you're watching a video more than seven or eight minutes. Right. It starts yeah. to, people start to lose interest. Yeah. If it says three minutes, oh yeah, I'll watch it. If it says 15 minutes, nobody's going to watch it. Yeah. You know, so you try to keep it brief when it comes to video interviews mm -hmm. and it's really just something about that coach that's interesting. And they give us about five to 10 minutes of in-depth conversation about it. So it's kind of like a coaching clinic on demand. Oh, great. Well, that sounds amazing. And like you said, it's five to 10 minutes. So especially now this younger generation, it's like we want just like Amazon Prime. We want everything so quickly, right? <laughs> so, on demand. Yeah. That's right. Everything's on demand now. <laughs> there you go. Um, but I got to ask, how's it being the host? Because like I'm a host of this podcast, obviously, but I want to just get the feel of how it was being a host. You know, it's the same it's the same feeling you're going through. You know, you, you've seen people your whole life host things. And then when you get mm -hmm. in the driver's seat, it's a whole new ball game. Yeah. And you're critical of yourself and every little thing you do. And you're trying to find ways to improve. Uh, you want to be received right by the viewers or listeners, but you also want to uh, try to relay whatever you're trying to communicate to the, to the person you're talking to. It's uh, it's it's more challenging than people think it is, isn't it? Right. Yeah. I know. Yeah. <laughs> like you have like your notes and everything, but sometimes you just have to go with the flow and improv, and you yeah. sometimes just need to wing it. <laughs> right. And honestly, some of the best interviews become just conversations, right? And they don't yeah. feel like interviews. Yeah. You know, for me, it's always a challenge because I was a coach. I was a coach through and through. That's how I was identified myself. That's how people viewed me, and. When you flip from being a coach to being a quote unquote media guy, mm -hmm. people look at you differently. And yeah, it's funny. Even when I'm doing work with the ESPN stuff, you know, I walk into those gyms, I watch practices and shoot arounds. And trust me, those coaches have their brick walls up. Uh, they don't want a media guy there. They got to be careful about what they say. Can I right. trust this guy? Is he going to make me look bad? It takes about a good year of getting to know this coach before they're like, okay, Rich is cool. He's not going to throw us under the bus. He's looking out for me. And because they realize, oh, he was a coach too. He gets it. So when I'm hosting the coach's insight, it's the same thing. Fortunately, I know all these guys that I interview usually. Mm -hmm. They know me from a coaching standpoint, so they, they see what I'm doing. But there is that challenge and that hurdle to jump over. Yeah, totally. And like you said, the best ones are that come natural. So everyone who's looking to host anything, just don't think about it too much. I know everyone gets in their head. I was in my head quite for some time doing, make sure I have all the research and everything, but typically you don't need that much. The flow of the conversation typically gathers and takes, takes the reins on that. So you got this, whoever's looking to start something, you got it. Richie and I, we, we believe in you. <laughs> so coach Marlena and coach Richie. There podcast. You go. <laughs> um, so moving on. So, Currently, um, obviously, you're a college basketball analyst. Like you said, you made that transition, but you work for ESPN, which is amazing. And I'm sure like you realize that ESPN, it's like everyone wants to get to that level, right? So once you see ESPN, it's like, oh, he made it, she made it. But how, how do you like being an analyst first off? Well, I love it. Uh, everybody thinks you're smarter than you are because you have a microphone. Mm -hmm. it's uh <laughs> it's funny when i was coaching i would say all the same things and people are like whatever now you say all the same stuff on television it's like you're the smartest guy in the world <laughs> you know it's amazing how how that platform changes right. but no it's 
for me, it's fun. I mean, some people do it for different reasons. Some people do it because they want to stay relevant. You know, they're mm-hmm. out of their coaching world. They're out of the playing world. They want to stay relevant in the basketball world. Some people do it because they like the attention of being on TV. Some people just genuinely appreciate coaching or not coaching, but uh, teaching basketball. For me, mm-hmm. it's all about having fun. I mean, I, I want every broadcast at the end. I want every broadcast that we do to one. I want to have two things that I accomplish. One, I taught the average couch potato watching this basketball game, something about the game of basketball. That's important to me that I taught him or something, Mm -hmm. him or her something. Secondly, I want to make sure that I'm having fun. And, you know, we have a lot of fun. We do some silly stuff in the student sections and we crack jokes, but we stay on point, you know, and that's the whole idea. At the end of the day, it's entertainment. And I like Mm -hmm. to entertain. It's fun for me. And and I think that uh, if somebody watches the game, they say, hey, I learned something. They did a great job and that was fun to watch. They're going to keep coming back. Well, those are great, um, like you said, um, key takeaways that you have on your list to do once you're doing your job. And I think, especially with any job, I think the main thing is you want to have a good time, right? You want to have fun. Um, you don't really enjoy it and you kind of dread it if you're not having fun. So I think that's one of the keys to anything. Yeah, I always say if you're not having fun, why are you doing it? Right. You know, there's so many other things we could be doing in the world. Like, why are we doing this if we don't enjoy it? There's there's other things to be doing. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, in the entertainment field, in the media field, you, you just need to have a good time with it to, uh, you know, to keep yourself coming back and enjoying what you do and, and, and bringing joy to others in the process. That's really important. Right. So that's amazing. So how has your position or um, job changed with this pandemic? Well, you know, I have a few different ways that I generate income and, and they all kind of come together to create a full-time salary. Okay. You know, TV is part-time it's four months a year and right, then maybe right. I'll do like one tournament in the summer. Yeah. So can't live off of that. And then I, I run the company PhD hoops and make some income that way from different basketball things that we do. And yeah. I also run a small travel tours company. So I'll take players overseas um, in the summers to the Caribbean or to Europe. And oh, amazing. Th- yeah. So unfortunately, all three things I just mentioned are, are on hold or canceled. Mm-hmm. So, you know, income being generated is not happening right now. But, un- you know, unfortunately, that's happening to millions of people across the planet, not mm-hmm. just me. So it has changed. So what I've done, you know, to, to stay productive instead of sitting at home all day watching Netflix, I'm actually working towards the future. It's preparing for games next season, hopefully yeah. that we have them. Uh, but also just with my organization, my company, phdhoops.com, mm-hmm. I've done a lot of different things to brand the company and to prepare for when things get quote unquote back to normalcy. So yeah, it, it has affected me tremendously. Uh, but you know, I'm just like everybody else. Everybody's yeah. being affected right now. Right. So sadly, that's what everyone's mostly dealing with, but I got to get back to what's it, what is it like working for ESPN? Think back before the pandemic, um, I know I've spoke to some people, it's, they say it's like a family, but from your experience, what have, what has it been like? Yeah, it is that it is a family type feeling and it's a huge family. Uh, people ask me all the time, oh, do you know so-and-so on SportsCenter? And I've never met the person. I have no idea. They don't even know who I am. There's so many people that work for ESPN, yeah. you know, uh, there's a lot of people I would have, would like to meet, but you know, there is kind of like that, you know, brother or sisterhood when you do meet them. Hey, I work for ESPN too. I do games. Yeah. Oh, cool. You know, if you ever get a chance to meet the person, but oh, it's cool. Like we, we know, I think people know that, that, you know, wearing those four letters, 
you know, on a shirt on your left chest right. is, is, is special. And it's, it, it's something that as a child and growing up, you, you look up, you, you're always watching TV, you're watching sports center. That's where you go to watch most of your basketball games or whatever it may be. Yeah. And now you're a part of it. And there's many times that I look back and I'm like, wow, this is awesome. Like I I'm, I'm living my dream. Yeah. You know, that's awesome. It, it's, it's special. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty cool feeling, but at the same time, you have to kind of protect the brand. I, I mm-hmm. you know, you might have feelings on something, um, that if you put out there publicly, uh, could embarrass the company that you work for. Yeah. Right. And you just have to be careful with, with how you word things and what you say. Yeah, totally. And I think that's really important to, um, know that, that once you're representing a big company like ESPN, that you're not just, you know, you're not just part of, um, how should I say this? You're not just focused on yourself and your represent, your representation, but you're also have something, you know, like you said, that's in the back of you that is kind of a big deal that you're representing so that's really mm-hmm. important to know so I gotta ask yeah. what is I know you talked about having fun and everything but I think being an analyst what's one of that people should know the toughest part like is there something that is kind of tough within being an analyst I, I think so uh, first and foremost you know the analysts that you that you see and hear on television or the radio or whatever it is, mm-hmm. they are, they're almost always former players or former coaches. So they have that base knowledge of the game. Uh, the analyst is, you know, the expert of whatever that sport is, you know, the play by play kind of is the host of that broadcast and they mm-hmm. set up the analyst. So the analyst can explain the word why, and that's probably the toughest thing. You have to be able to communicate in a way that the average fan watching the game can understand answering the question why yeah like so if this play just happened or this there was a defensive breakdown or the coach made this decision whatever it may be my job as an analyst and anybody in any sport is to answer why why did that defensive breakdown happen why did that play occur the way it did why did that coach make that decision and not everybody they might be able to do it inside their head, but not everybody can verbalize that in a way for everybody to understand. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, Michael Jordan was an unbelievable basketball player, maybe the best of all time, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that Michael Jordan would be a great coach. You know, magic Johnson, same thing. One of the best players of all time. I don't think magic Johnson was one of the greatest coaches. You know, you have to be able to relay it to a way as a coach coming from the player to your players as a coach. And that's hard for a lot of people to make that transition. So when you get into being an analyst after playing or coaching, now you have to find a way to, to verbalize things so that everybody can understand. Now, if you're a great player, great coach, it might just come easy to you. Mm-hmm. But now you got to find a way to make everybody understand. I remember the first year I was broadcasting games, maybe the second year. Tell us. I was, yeah, I was still, we were doing a game. This is when I was in radio. I wasn't even doing TV yet. And I just remember play by play with guy would say something and I would get on there and I'd say, Oh yeah, well the guy came and he did a flare screen and this and this, and I was using all this terminology. Yeah. And we go into a timeout and he taps me on the shoulder, takes his headphones off. He goes, Richie, nobody knows what in the heck you're talking about. <laughs> like, like that's great. This coach speak though. Nobody gets yeah. it. So you're going to have to play like a different down, language. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so he's like, you got to dumb this down. And just, just because not everybody's been a coach, like the average person just enjoys watching the game or listening. Right. So I've had to do that. And that's probably the toughest thing is finding a way to answer the question why 
in a way that everybody can understand. And, you know, an NBA coach watching a game that I do would be like, you know, this is boring. He's not saying enough stuff that, that, that intrigues me, but trust me, the average person will get it. You know what right. I mean? <laughs> yeah. That's so funny you bring that up. And I think that's, like you said, it's a different language um, that you're speaking. Um, so that's really funny that that's, that's what occurred to you. And thanks for sharing. Cause I think people would have, you know, they thought like you had it all together, but you know, once you start, there's learning experiences every time. Now everybody's got to figure it out. It takes some, I mean, I'm still trying to improve. I've been doing this, I think seven, eight years now, and I'm still trying to find ways to get better. So mm-hmm. you, you're never going to stop improving in anything that you do, especially being an analyst. You got to keep trending and, and, and figure out the best way to do things. Yeah. Keep pushing through. So mm-hmm. where do you see, I got to ask, where do you see college basketball in the future? Because like schools are still closed, programs are not really happening, everything Zoom calls online. So where do you see that happening in the future? Any thoughts? You mean like in the immediate future here? Yeah, I want to say next year, 2021. Yeah, I'm nervous about it. I'm not as hopeful as a lot of people are. I mean, sure, I'm hopeful. um, But But yeah, you're realistic too. So that's a little more realistic. yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you talk to anybody who's a doctor who does research and all that, they'll all tell you, Hey, this takes at least a year to get a vaccine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know there's a lot of optimism, like, Hey, we'll have one this fall. I'm not convinced. Uh, there's, there's a timeline for those kind of things. And I don't know enough about it to explain, but from what I understand, it's a lot more harder, it's a lot harder than people are making it out to be. So before we have a vaccine, nothing's going to be normal. And let's suppose we get a vaccine in March, which would probably be the earliest. Mm-hmm. Now, granted, I hope it's tomorrow, but right. you know, let's just say it's not till March. Uh, then everybody's got to get enough. There's got to be enough administered out. Yeah. Right. Like it's, it's not like, okay, we have it. Everybody's going to get it. I mean, there's billions of people in this world. Right. Um, so what I think is professional sports, they may be a lot more uh, capable of having seasons because they're professionals. But when you're talking about student athletes, when Mm -hmm. you're talking about amateur athletes, college and younger, well, now there's a concern because there's liability concerns that maybe the pros don't have to worry about so much, pro professional organizations. Right. So I'm very concerned. Uh, maybe football gets takes off here. Maybe. I'm not convinced they're going to finish. Uh, you know, I was looking at statistics a couple weeks ago, and, and when you talk about, you know, talk about the Spanish influenza 100 years ago, there was three to five million people who died in that first wave. Now, granted, we're nowhere close to that. Right. But that second wave had 15 to 20 million people die. Yeah. So it, it, what, quadrupled, maybe five, six times more. So what I'm worried about is when this second wave happens, which is anticipated in the wintertime when we're all coughing and sneezing on each other indoors, that's right in the heart of basketball season. Yeah. So I'm very concerned that basketball doesn't happen next year. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, I think there's some guinea pigs and some test dummies right now. The TBT basketball tournament starting up on the 4th of July. The yeah, NBA is supposed to start that. out the last day of July. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we'll see what happens with these. But again, we're in the summertime <laughs> in the first wave still. So, man, I, it, it's a sad thing. And I know this from a broadcasting standpoint. Let's say they have no fans. Let's say they don't even want the announcers there, which I completely understand. Right. We're going to be doing games from a studio or – we're going to be doing games sitting from our living room, seeing it on a Zoom call or something like that and calling the game on national television. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. And like you said, it's num- the numbers from what your um, example was, especially now within 
our time realistically it's people i don't think the social reform and police um, brutality and black lives matter movement is pretty key right now in the media rightfully so but you know the quarantine has kind of been a back burner from the media um of getting all of that info out so i think people are going out more and i've noticed some people not wearing masks and everything so i think they feel like their environment's safe but like you said winter comes and statistics don't lie so we can get a staggering push on um, a lot of victims and people being contained and it's it's scary it's overall like a big scare yeah and I, I think you hit the nail on the head I think you hit the nail on the head in the sense that the news media has been focused on other things other than the coronavirus as of late right and as a result I, I think you're right I think people are getting their guard down they're not uh, protecting themselves as much and Unfortunately, when people aren't protecting themselves, they're also not protecting everybody else. Yeah. And it's, it's, that's what's scary is a lot of people in a lot of states, a lot of states are spiking right now because they've taken the attitude that it is what it is. We're just mm-hmm. going to deal with it. And uh, a virus doesn't know state lines. So right. um, everybody's virus, in trouble as a result. Yeah. The virus doesn't, it doesn't speak our language. We don't speak its language. It's fairly new. And again, we've never experienced anything like this. So I feel like we're taking it day by day and it's kind of scary not to like know it's uh, to know the unknown, right? We always like to have a plan of action for something and this time we don't. So, right. I agree with you. Yeah. So reinventing the game will be pretty um, severe. See what the league does. Um, Like they put out their TBT, that tournament starting up, they announced that. So we'll like to see what they have going on. Also, the WNBA has um, put out a release that they're going to be um, starting their season soon. So we'll we'll see what this outcome looks like. Um, I'm excited to see if it has any positive impact, and hopefully it does because we don't want to see anyone getting the virus and it exploding within the league. So hopefully that does not occur. But – like I said, we can only hope for the best. But going going forward, I know you talk, talked a little bit about it, PhD Hoops. You're the founder and president of it. It's fairly new. It's about like a year and a few months, I want to say. But how's, yeah. how's that been? Tell us more about this. You know, it's something for all players and coaches to have something to go to. And there's a lot of different type of websites like this but i've tried to encompass it all into one like number one it's got a lot of website content on there and there's a lot of website contributors of all different coaching levels that will uh contribute whether it's a video whether it's uh you know uh diagram x and o stuff coaching Mm -hmm. philosophies clinic notes uh demonstration videos that kind of stuff so it's a place where you know people can learn shared knowledge essentially also we do yeah. And at the same time, we're for players, we're doing some uh, skills training stuff, some camps. We also do international basketball tours through PhD hoops. Awesome. And then for coaches, for coaches, there's, uh, you know, we're doing coaching roundtables and we'll be breaking into clinics and stuff at some point, too. So it's kind of like a jack of all trades uh, type type uh, type organization. So it's a way for me to stay involved in the game and, and a way for a lot of people to uh, learn and get better. That's awesome. Yeah. Um how did you, I, I always love, um, when someone creates something new, um, just like how I, I created this podcast and have it evolved and it's like awesome to see where it's come, but how does it feel like, how did you decide to create this program? You know, it's a great question. It's, 
you know, I, I think it's always been in my head, like having a, have a place, have a place where you can store uh, a lot of different basketball ideas, philosophies, plays, tendencies and things like that from coaches i I think that's always been an idea now there's a lot of things out there there's a lot of websites out there that do that but i'm not sure there's any that do all the different things that we do right Uh, so you know you you're not really going to make an income off that free content but there's ways to make an income and that might be the trips or the camps or the clinics and that kind of stuff so Mm -hmm. um you know it it just you know i've been doing i was working with another organization that i co-founded a few years ago um doing international travel tours so when I branched out on my own, I wanted to have a more basketball focused place where you could still do travel tours, but here's a bunch of other basketball content as well. Yeah. That's awesome yeah. to have them like kind of mesh together, right? Because it's both basketball yep. related and just having um, the in- uh, the international tours. It's also, it's exciting. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, doing tours internationally, like who doesn't want to travel, right? <laughs> right. And there's the educational aspect to that right. too. Like the the parents love the fact that their child is getting an opportunity to see the world and see things mm-hmm. that uh, you won't see outside of or inside the U.S. And at the same time, the players just want to slap on that USA jersey and represent their own country. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. Um, so how did the name, how did you think of the name? Did, did you have, did you like have many names and did you line them up and you're like, just kept saying it to them, to yourself? Like, how did that come <laughs> about? PhD hoops? You know, I wanted something something that would be would be catchy mm-hmm. that could become trendy that would be easy to say and yeah. i had a lot of different ideas i, I sat on that for months like what am i going to call this thing right and i just i just kept writing down words like anytime i have thoughts i go to my notes section of my iphone mm-hmm. and i put down a thought and i just had a bunch of different name ideas and i started looking at them and you know i want this to be basketball but i want it to be educational mm-hmm. all right this is the best one phd hoop so i started asking a few people they're like you know what i think that rings pretty good yeah. Why don't you roll it? So here we are, PhD hoops. It's yeah. been going for a couple of years almost. I, I can relate. So when I, I put like a yeah. poll and everything, I ask my family and friends, I'm like, say this, what does it, what does it mean to you? How does it affect you? Like, what does it ring a bell? But that's really good. Short and simple, right to the point. And yep. yeah, I got to say that's a really good name. Well, you did a good job with your name too. Hoopways <laughs> podcast is pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, so What's the website that people do? They just Google PhD hoops to find out more about it. You go phdhoops.com. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Well, there you go, guys. If you want to learn more about PhD hoops and maybe you'll be on the one doing a tour, hopefully. um, I don't know if you guys are doing tours now, but hopefully in the future um, to see where that goes. So that's awesome. Yes. Um, Yes. So I want to get back. So this quarantine lifestyle we're in. What has been your, I know you talked about walking, but what's been your daily activities? Like what's your day by day? You know, I, I've, I'm kind of used to working from home because PhD hoops doesn't have its own office outside of my home. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, I have a, I have a home office within my home and which is great. So thankfully uh, not getting in my car every morning and going to a place of work, uh, isn't something that I'm missing because I'm not used to it anyway, the last several years Yeah. Uh, for different things I've done. Uh, I, I do miss being around other people. Though, I'll tell you that. Right. Uh, but, you know, so the quarantine thing hasn't affected me too much in that sense. However, um, I, I usually travel a ton more. Like usually uh, by this, in the last three and a half months since this whole thing started, I would have been on like six different trips somewhere mm-hmm. uh, all over the place, even outside the country. So 
it's kind of kind of a disappointing thing. But uh, you know, my typical day is I get up, uh, I try to get up fairly early, try to be working like anybody else around eight o'clock, and mm-hmm. uh, I just get after it. Uh, you know, I got tons of projects. You know, I, I can't stand being at my computer all day, but that's what I've been doing the last three months. I got tons of projects and, and website editions and, and uh, launching new things within PhD hoops, all these different things I've been wanting to do, just never had the time to do it. Now I'm getting them done. Yeah. So spending a lot of time on my computer, you know, I'll go out and pick up some food and bring it back and run some errands here and there. But for the most part, I've been staying at home as much as I can. Yeah, I think that's been what a lot of people have done that, like, I don't know, in your case, like traveling and doing road trips and um, trips constantly being um, in and out of your home but people are just you know getting it done getting in the grind and trying to complete that they put on the back burner for so long right right yeah and it's it's been a good time to get things done that uh, you didn't have time to do before yeah and definitely being in California the commute time of going anywhere is definitely helpful when you're not in there for two or three hours (laughs) right (laughs) Oh my gosh, I definitely do not miss that, I gotta say. <laughs> yeah, that commute's terrible. LA traffic is nothing to joke with. Yeah, no joke at all. Um, but I gotta ask, who are you quarantining with? Well, I've been dating the same girl for a while. We don't live together, uh, okay. but we'll spend some time at each other's place. So we feel we feel somewhat safe about that. She right. works from home as well. So, um, you know, so yeah, basically that one individual and then you know there's fortunately my little townhouse that i live in did not close our gym so yeah. you know there's a few people from the uh from the from the condos that go in there and work out a little bit so yeah other than that i don't really get to see a whole lot of people face to face it's face to face through via zoom call yeah is what it is most of the time yeah i think zoom calls have taken over our our world too <laughs> we got to yeah. put people got to put stock in the zoom in the zoom company Hey, you know what's funny is I have a coaching buddy. He's about seventy years old now, and oh my, he bought he bought stock in Zoom a couple of years ago, <gasps> and uh, this thing just—I mean, it had been around nine years when this thing happened, but it blew up in the last three months, right. and uh, he still doesn't have to really know how to use the thing, but oh. um, but at least he's got stock in it. Yeah, <laughs> the most important thing is that he has stock. Yeah, I was like, man, you just cashed out, brother. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. 70 years old, never never knew how to use Zoom at all. Well, I mean, shoot, I would yeah. be taking business advice from him if I knew him. <laughs> <laughs> he's always asking me questions. Like, he's trying to figure out how to use an emoji. So I know Zoom would be a challenge for him. <laughs> oh, that's too funny. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, Richie, that's all I have for you. Is there anything else I missed out that you wanted to mention? No, I think we, we covered quite a bit. I, I appreciate you and having this platform and it sounds like it's growing and you've had some <laughs> phenomenal guests. I'm, I'm the low end of the total Thank pull of your guests. Oh, list, no, 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 so no. I'm glad to be on it. <laughs> Thank you very much. You're too kind. But thanks, Richie, so much for coming down. Is where people can follow you. Do you have any platforms open? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, as far as like social media, yeah, yeah, it's simple at Richie Schuler oh, on, on Twitter, uh, Twitter or Facebook, and and I'm on Instagram too. Instagram, I just kind of goof off on more than anything, but <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm around. I'm on there, so say what's up if you guys get on there. There you go. Okay, yeah, he's not 70 years old. He knows how to use social media platforms. Everyone. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, Richie. I really appreciate you coming on and. Um, talking um, your expertise and your journey with everyone. I'm sure people will take 
um, quite an advantage of knowing your background and hopefully it helps them within their journey and you know hopefully rather than sooner I know we're both like realists but I'd love to probably meet face to face one of these days hopefully in the future and yeah and see where see where um we go from there would love it yeah I don't I don't think I'm I don't think I live too far from where you yeah, work. Yeah, no. With traffic, so, that's another story. But no, without traffic. True. We'll have to go get a cup of coffee. So there you let's go. Let's do it. Okay, guys. Well, thanks, Richie. And again, guys, you can follow him on his social platforms and tune into PhD Hoops. See what they're going on over there. It sounds like Richie's building and building that um, website going on. So it'd be really interesting to see what they have going on there. But again, guys, I hope everyone's staying safe and, um, you know, continue to be with your loved ones and stay positive and motivated and we're all doing our part so you're listening to hoop waves podcast and catch you guys later bye guys